following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What is up, Christian Life Austin? Hey, this is my favorite place to be on a Wednesday night, and I hope it's your favorite place to be. You're, you're in the best place to be on a Wednesday night. Amen. I met a few people walking in tonight. This is your very first time. This was their very first time. And I just want to say welcome. It's so exciting to see new people coming in and be a part of what's happening at Christian Life Austin. For those of you, this is your first time we didn't get to meet. My name is Philip Daigle. I'm the associate pastor here. I've been married for nine years to an amazing woman, Andrea Daigle. If you don't know her, you're missing out. Amen. Oh, let it build, let it build, that's good. (laughs) And then of course, I'm a father to three amazing boys, Brady, Dean, and Houston. And if you follow me on social media, that is what you are gonna see. I'm unapologetic, I'm proud to be their dad and so thankful to be with you here tonight. What an honor to stand on this stage. Such an incredible house, an incredible place of worship. But before I get into the word, I've made this promise to myself. I will never stand on this stage without giving honor to our incredible senior pastor, Pastor Rex Johnson, who spent 31 years of his life building, loving, leading. And I don't know if you know this or not, we got the best pastor in the country. We got the best pastor in the world. There is nobody like him. You can't get through those doors without getting a hug from Pastor Rex. And if you can, you're really talented because he loves everybody and takes time out for people. And I'm so thankful to be a part of what his vision is for this house. And of course, to uh, our friends, our dear friends, incredible executive pastors, uh, Pastor Brad and Cass. What amazing leaders we have in them. They are the best. Amen. And I give honor to them tonight, to the whole Johnson family. We love you guys. Uh, But tonight I want to preach to you for just a short uh, little time here from this title, A Never-Ending Supply in a Season of Demand. A Never-Ending Supply in a Season of Demand. Before you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter number 60, why don't you just turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, And just ask them if they've been working out because they look amazing. Some of y'all, every time we ask you that, you lie in the house of God. But I just want you to know it's a place of grace. And man, you can start working out tomorrow. That counts. Or at least Monday. All right. Isaiah chapter number 60, starting with verse number one. Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Jesus, in your name, we're so thankful 
for the light of this world. We're so thankful for who you are. And I just pray that after tonight that we would realize that in a season of famine, that in a season of darkness, that in a season of chaos, that we would realize that you are our hope, that you are our satisfaction, that there's nobody like you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. So there are some things that I'm really afraid of not having enough of. It's two things specifically, and, and one of these things, you would think it's a little ironically because I don't have a problem getting enough of this, but it's food. I, I have a fear of not getting enough food, and so when we go out to eat, me and my wife will go different places, and, and we'll order, and she's like, is that enough? I'm like, nope, nope, let's just order just one more thing, and she's like, you can't eat all of that, but you know what, let's just make sure that we've got enough food for the table. Anybody ever been on a long flight, maybe an international flight, uh, and they come around like serving food? I've realized this. I, I have this fear of not getting enough food. I'll be on an international flight. I could be passed out for two hours, but the second I smell food, I wake up and I just start eating. I don't know when I will eat again. It doesn't matter how long the flight is. As soon as they come, all right, let's eat again. I never know when I'll eat on this flight. I'm afraid of not getting enough food. And in fact, our incredible staff, and I'm so thankful to be on this amazing staff. In fact, just uh, two weeks ago, we went to an incredible conference for pastors and leaders and, and we would go out to eat and they would make fun of me because every time I just get just a little extra, like I order the meal and I'm like, just a little extra chicken, maybe a little extra protein. And so it's, it's just come to be my reputation on staff that if there's anything left over, I am the staff garbage disposal. Guys, I work out to eat. That's, that's the only reason why I work out. Pastor Brad works out because he loves it. I work out because I love to, I love to eat. And then the other thing that, I, that I'm afraid of not getting enough of is sleep. Come on, somebody. Anybody with young kids in the house, the struggle is real. I used to think that sleep was, you know, a necessity. I've realized it's not. Like, I actually can survive without sleep. I didn't even know it. And now we're at the stage of life that no matter how much sleep we get, it's not enough. <laughs> like, we got little kids, and we put them down to sleep. And at some point, out of those three kids, one of them is going to wake up crying. One of them is going to wake up throwing up. One of them is going to wake up. So I go to bed with the knowledge that this is not the only time that I'm going to get sleep. I'm going to have to wake up and go back to back to sleep. There are two things that I want a lot of, and it's food and sleep. We are in the stage of life that no matter how much sleep that we get, it's just not enough. But when we look at this scripture in Isaiah chapter number 60, we see that God looks at these people who have come home from captivity, and they were in this season where they were in captivity and they come home and now they're home, but they're just surviving. They're not thriving. They were sleepy. They, they were tired. They hadn't just quite recovered quite yet. They, they were really not back to their routine. And that is many of us right now in the world. We've come out of a strange season like, like many of us have come through this strange time where there was turmoil and chaos and truthfully, we're just not simply back to the place that we were at when this started. But God is saying in Isaiah chapter number 60, and he says it in verse number one, to wake up during this season. 
God, God is calling us just like he was calling the Israelites in Isaiah chapter number 60 that it is time to wake up. Why? Because the world is dark and it needs the light of God. It, it, it needs the light that the church is shining. And as a church, we have to come to this realization that we are not this light, but we are just reflecting the light of the one that is greater than us. The church is very much like our moon. If you'll stay with me. I spent a lot of time on the open seas. I've been in the Indian Ocean, the Pacific Ocean. I've crossed the Atlantic more than once. And I've spent a lot of time on these open seas and, and water on dark nights. And here's the most amazing thing. We don't see this in the city much, but on those dark nights, the moon would shine so bright. It would be so bright that it would light up the world around me. But unlike the sun, the moon does not produce its own light. But rather, the moon just simply reflects the light of the sun. The simple fact that there is light on the moon is not a reminder of the greatness of the moon, but rather a reminder that the sun will rise again. The light of the moon reminds us that even though it is not day, that even though it is still night, that the morning is coming. The moon is a reminder that brighter days are ahead. The moon is a reminder that yes, it may be dark, but I still see some light. I still have some hope. If this is your first time, you just gotta know this. I, I like to get a little rowdy. I like to treat church like I do the Astros game. I'm going to give it my best. John chapter 1 verse 4 through 9 says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming in to the world. Like the moon, we as the church of the living God on our own cannot produce our own light. Like the moon, we are just simply shining the light of the sun and his name is Jesus. Come on, in a dark season, in some dark nights, we are just a reminder to the world that the morning is coming, that someone greater is on the way, that the night will not last. Let me, let me say it like this. Like the moon is a reminder that the sun is still shining. The church is a reminder that yes, there may be dark days, but we can be encouraged and we can be strengthened that we have a hope, that we stand on a promise that greater and brighter days are coming. In a dark season, in dark nights, the world needs the church more than ever. The church, that's, that's you and me. It's not time to run and hide, but rather it is time to shine the light of Jesus. The church, that's you and me. It's our calling and it's our responsibility not to point people to ourselves or to our talent or to our resources or to our ability. Our job is not to pretend like we have all the answers and pretend like we've got it all figured out. Our job in a dark season and in a dark night is to simply reflect the light 
light of Jesus, that there is a hope for this world, that in a season of famine, there is a surplus, that in a season of questions, he is our answer, that in a season of darkness, that he is the light, the light that the darkness could not comprehend, the light that the darkness could not overcome, the surplus, the the answer, the light, his name is Jesus. I'm thankful tonight that I've got a hope in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of everything going on in the world. I don't have to depend on a political party. I can depend on the one who saved me. I can depend on the one who is over it all. His name is Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our trust is in Jesus. No matter what. In life, if you haven't experienced it yet, you're going to experience it at some time. We all experience moments of lack. We all experience seasons of questions. We all experience moments of darkness. And tonight, I don't know what you're facing, and I don't know what your life is demanding of you, and I don't know what is making you feel like that you don't have enough. Maybe tonight you, you don't have enough skill for that job. Maybe you don't have enough time for your family. Maybe you don't have enough money to pay the bills that are in front of you. And there are times in our lives that we come up against life and we realize that we don't have enough and we realize that we are not enough. I'm so thankful that Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says that my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Maybe you are asking tonight, do I have a purpose? What, what am I here for? Maybe you're asking this question in life and all the stuff that's going on in the world. Is Jesus actually enough? Is Jesus enough for what's going on in the world? Is Jesus really the answer? Is Jesus enough for my children? Is Jesus enough for my family? Is Jesus enough for me? Tonight, I'm here to remind you that in a season of famine and in a season of lack and in a season of confusion, that even in the dark seasons, that the light of Jesus still shines. John chapter four, I want to read a story to you, and I just want to pull out some biblical truths from this story. It's John chapter four. We're going to start reading in verse four and go to 15, and it says this in John. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well And it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy some water burger, but the Samaritan woman said to him, no, sorry, food was on the, you know what? Let's make that a double extra cheese. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am A Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? In other words, is that enough? Is, is it really living water? Jesus, are you really enough? Is what you're saying really true? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst again. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I think the question that this woman was really asking is how? How are you going to give me living water that will make me never thirst again? How in the darkness, how, how in the chaos, how are you going to be a light? How in a season of chaos are you going to be peace? How in a season of demand are you going to be enough? And Jesus shows us how through the story of the woman at the well. So if you're taking notes here tonight, point number one is this, shame creates a demand. Jesus is on this journey and he stops at a well at noon in the hottest part of the day in this area of the world is just like Austin, Texas. At noon in the summer is not the place when you want to go to the well. And this woman had come to the well to gather water at noon and this is significant because nobody was there to gather water. They did it in the morning or they did it in the evening, in the cool of the day. And just this action alone shows us that this woman is full of shame. There was a demand on her life because of the decisions that she had made and the things that she had done. She wanted to go get what she needed during this time simply to avoid the gossip. Simply to avoid the people that would talk about her and her failed marriages and her bad decisions and the things that she had done with her life. Shame had created a demand on her life to isolate. Shame created a demand on her to have a new routine. Shame had put a demand on her that she simply had to alter the direction of her life. For her, this well that was supposed to be life-giving, this well that was supposed to represent something good, something that would sustain her is not life-giving anymore, but rather it's life-taking. Something that was supposed to sustain her now is just a reminder of her past. And many of us that are in the room here tonight that are full of shame and struggle with shame over a failed marriage or a broken family or a bad decision, the church many times, the spiritual well can represent this for you. Instead of it being a place that you look forward to and you're excited to go to, instead you slip in and you slip out. You isolate for fear of gossip. You isolate because some of what someone may say about you simply because you do not want to deal with people. 
But what I love about this story is that this woman, she met her destiny at the place she chose to avoid it. In the place of her shame, in the place that reminded her of her regret, Jesus showed her and he shows us that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is enough for our shame. In the place that reminded her of her regret, Jesus showed her and shows us that he is more than enough. You see, shame points us to our lack. Shame points us to our deficiencies. Shame points us to where we do not measure up, but Jesus points to the fact that he is more than enough. Jesus shows us this by pursuing this woman who is not in her own righteousness, that is not in her own goodness or her own ability to make the right decisions. He pursues her exactly where she is, and he pursues us exactly where we are. We we often look at our own deficiencies and build our lives and our habits around them. And this is exactly what this woman did. This woman is just simply trying to get water to sustain herself. She's trying to get enough to survive. But when Jesus shows up, he tells her, while you are here trying to survive, I've got water that will make you never thirst again. It's water that's going to satisfy you. And just like any person, she hears this is like, I need that. Like, I need that water. But if you read the story, you can see the overtones. She says, I, I need this water so I don't have to come to this well again. She didn't want the everlasting water. She didn't want the living water that it was going to make her better. She wanted it so that she could avoid the place of shame. How many times had this woman gone to the well wishing that her shame had not driven her there to be there in the hottest part of the day, sweating, tired, miserable, knowing that it was her fault. Here's what shame is. It's an unquenchable liar that will keep us going back to the same thing over and over. It will keep us going back to perform. It will keep us going back to receive something that, that we never get enough of. But here's what Jesus does. Jesus wants to show up in our lives and do this one thing. He wants to cover our shame. Jesus wants us to walk in freedom. Shameless plug right now. Heads up, shameless plug. If you haven't been in a freedom group, if you don't know about freedom, Join a freedom group this fall because here's what it's about. It's about uncovering the shame. It's about getting out of the pressure of shame. It's about, uh, get, it's about getting out from underneath the umbrella of shame. If you haven't been through freedom, join a freedom group. Because here's what happens in freedom. The shame of the past just falls off. Anybody been through freedom in the house? Let me hear you make some noise. If you know, you know. <laughs> Point number two is the need for salvation creates a demand. John chapter four, verses 19 through 24. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Okay, you've showed up into my world. You've showed up into my life. You, you've said these things about me. I, I see that you're a man of God. I, I see that there's something on your life. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship who we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. What is being discussed here in this moment is a system of salvation that this woman could not partake of. Because of her socioeconomic background, because of her race, because of the, some things beyond her control, she was really asking Jesus, are you more than enough for salvation. You might be more than enough to cover my shame, but are you more than enough to save me? Because right now, no matter what I do, I cannot measure up to this system of salvation. Jesus is coming to her and he comes to us and saying the old system of salvation puts a demand on you, a demand that you cannot meet. But Jesus came to show us that while there is a demand for salvation because we are born into sin, that we are all sinners, that he is our salvation, that he is more than enough for our salvation, that it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from what family you are in, what socioeconomic background you come from, that today is the day of salvation. And can I tell you, this is what I love about Christian life, Austin. I just believe this, that this church looks like what heaven is going to look like. Yeah, I'm proud of it. I love to tell people that this is a church of diversity. There is so much diversity, diversity in race diversity in culture, diversity in socioeconomic background, diversity in age, diversity in maturity level, and all the middle-aged dads said amen. But this is what the church is supposed to look like. That yes, we have some big differences. That yes, we might not all view the world the same way. That yes, some might be Yankees fans and some Astros fans. But guess what? We come together with the realization that we once were lost, but now we're found. We come with the realization that once I was blind, but now I see. We come together in agreement knowing that our race did not save us, that our culture did not save us, that our socioeconomic background definitely did not save us, our age did not save us, but one day we realize that Jesus was more than enough for our salvation. We realize that Jesus is more than enough, that sin created a demand that we could not meet, but Jesus met that demand man and 2,000 years ago he laid down his life it wasn't taken from him but he willingly laid his life down and crushed forever the demand of sin Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's more than enough for salvation. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says that he saved us. News flash, not because of how great you are. 
Plot twist, it's not about you. He saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you tonight, Jesus is more than enough for your salvation. And then point number three is our need for purpose creates a demand. John chapter four, verse 28, the Bible says this woman now has had this conversation with Jesus and she's like, dude, this guy's got it. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Bible says, then leaving her water jar, her security, the thing that she came to use to get the water, the woman leaves the water jar And she goes back to the town and says to the people, come see a man who told me everything that I did. Could this be the Messiah? Could he be more than enough? Bible says that they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many believed and were saved. This woman in shame, in retreat, in the heat of the day, had been avoiding the crowd with no sense of purpose. Isn't it funny how, how your purpose is never about just you? Isn't it funny how when you start to think about your purpose that it's always connected to someone else? That when you realize what God has done for you, you can't stay where you are. You have to go serve. You've got to go help. You've got to go get involved. Tonight, I just want to remind you, the church... <laughs> It's not about you. The job that you're in right now is not about you. (laughs) But your purpose is always connected to someone else. Jesus shows up in this woman's life and now gives her a reason to live, now gives her purpose because here's why. Jesus isn't just good enough to save. He's not just good enough to heal. He is good enough and he is more than enough to give you purpose. John chapter 10, therefore Jesus said again, verily, truly, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture because the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. We have come in to Jesus through salvation. We have come to Jesus through grace. We have come to Jesus because of what he has done for us, but it's also about going out with purpose. We don't just come in by salvation. It's about going out with the purpose that God has for us. Jesus met her in this place of shame to let her know that he was more than enough for her shame, that he was more than enough for her salvation, but he doesn't just leave her there, he sends her out with purpose. Can I tell you tonight, if there is breath in your body, that there is a purpose for you, there is a calling on you, your life has a purpose. Your life has meaning. And if you don't know what it is, go to Growth Track, another shameless plug. If you feel like you're floundering, 
you feel like you're walking in shame, if you feel like there's heaviness on your life and you're just going through the motions, can I encourage you, discover your purpose. This is the strategy of this church that every believer should do these four things, that they would know God, that they would find freedom, they would discover their purpose, and then what? They would make a difference. Jesus met her to show her that he was more than enough for salvation, that he was more than enough for freedom, but he was also more than enough to show her her purpose. Tonight is just not about coming to church and sitting in a seat. We come in by his grace and I'm thankful. We come in by his salvation and I'm thankful. And we come in by those things, but we go out to purpose. We come in by his goodness. We realize we're not saved because of who we are, but because of who he is. But we go out to reach the lost. We come in because of what he's done in our lives, but we leave with purpose. We leave to strategically share the gospel. The Bible says to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, that we would be constantly looking and searching for ways and avenues to share what Jesus has done in our lives. One of my favorite speakers, I heard him say this, is John Maxwell an amazing Christian, an amazing pastor, but he speaks for corporations all over America. He says, I don't show up telling them that they need Jesus. He says, here's what I tell them. I've got four secrets for success for your business, but I'm only gonna give you three. He gets done with all three and people line up out the door to find out what this fourth secret is. You know what it is, it's Jesus. He came in by the grace of God, but he's going out with purpose. We've got to be strategic in how we share our story. Maybe sometimes we should be looking for the right opportunity, not be so in your face with people. Like you need Jesus, but you do too. Maybe win them over to you first. Maybe, maybe win them to liking you. Because if they don't like you, I promise they're not going to like your Jesus. We come in by his grace, but we leave by his purpose. At night, a shepherd would lay down and the sheep would come in for rest. They would wander throughout the day, but at night they knew that they could find their shepherd and they would come in and they would lay down for rest. Can I tell you, that's what the house of God is. That's what the presence of God is. When you leave this house, you should be refreshed. You, you, you should go home feeling the goodness of God. You should come into the house of God to rest and receive. And that's why coming to the house of God more than ever is so important because you have to find a place of rest in his presence for your soul. But it's for one reason that you would rest so that you could go out in purpose. This woman tells the rest of the people, there is a man. He told me everything that I've ever done. Can I tell you right now, even in this moment, Jesus knows everything that you've ever done and he still loves you. Your shame is not gonna keep you from your purpose. 
This woman tells the rest of the people, there is a man that told me everything that I did. You know what she's doing in this moment? She's walking in purpose. She she got to know God. She found freedom. She discovered her purpose. And then she joined the dream team. She started serving with the production. She started helping with the ushers. She started greeting with the coffee. She got involved and started making a difference. Because no matter what your purpose is, Every single one of us have this same purpose to tell our story. Every person has a unique calling. They've got something special about them, but we all have the same purpose in that we are supposed to tell our story. My last point, we can stand. The world creates a demand. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, Paul said this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest in a man. So that your faith might not rest in our resources or our ability or on human wisdom, but your faith would rest on God's power. There is a demand on the church right now to impress with words and with eloquence, with human wisdom. But can I just remind you here tonight, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is still the light. Jesus is still enough. The world is placing a demand on your life to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to live a certain way. But for you to tell your story, you've got to be filled up with the only thing that can satisfy. Why do we, why do we believe that Jesus is enough? Why is Jesus our one true Message. Why is Jesus the thing that we talk about every service? Why is Jesus the name above every other name? Because he is the only one that can do what he did. Here's why Jesus is enough, because he's the only one that can do what he did. He is the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He is the light of the world. He is the land slain from the beginning of time. He is our risen Savior. He is our King of kings. He is the Son that is risen. He is the Son that is coming back again. Only Jesus can save a soul. Only Jesus can save a life. Only by the name of Jesus can sickness be cast out of a body. Only by the name of Jesus. Jesus, do demons have to leave? I'm here to convince you tonight that Jesus is more than enough. Tonight, I'm not just here to convince you that Jesus is just enough. I'm here to convince you that Jesus is all that we have. Jesus asked the disciples, are you going to leave too? He had stopped doing miracles and people left. He turned to the disciples, are you, you out too? Peter said, where will we go? And I feel like that's my heart in the world right now. I, 
I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you're going to do in my life. I don't know what's ahead in the world, but where would I go? I've got nowhere else to go. Jesus, you are my plan A and there is no plan B. Jesus, Jesus is all that we have, but Jesus is all that will satisfy. The woman left her jar. The woman left the thing that she thought that she needed when when she found the one that she really needed. The thing that we think that we need. Jesus, will you fill this jar for me? Give me this job, will you? Give me this relationship, will you? You give me this financial blessing. Will you give me this influence? And we hold the jar up thinking this is what we need. And Jesus is trying to tell us that we don't need the water in the jar. We need the water of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It doesn't need to be in the jar. It needs to be in us. We don't need a physical water, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the chapter ends by Jesus sitting there and the disciples finally get back with that double water burger, extra fries, large Dr. Pepper. And Jesus says, I don't, I don't need it. He says, I thank you for going to get the food, but I don't need it. And they said, did you eat something while we were gone? (laughs) He says, what sustains me? The thing that fuels me, the thing that feeds me, he says this exact quote, my food is my purpose. The thing that drives me on, the thing that satisfies me, the thing that sustains me is the thing that Jesus has called me to do. Can I tell you tonight, when you don't have enough food and you don't have enough sleep, can I tell you tonight that Jesus is more than enough, that your purpose, that your calling, that your destiny is going to sustain you when that food can't. What sustains me is my purpose. (laughs) What satisfies me is not Taco Bell and Whataburger. What satisfies me is doing the will of the one who sent me. Do you feel unsatisfied tonight? Do you feel like your life is not enough? Do you feel like you don't have enough? Can I encourage you to discover your purpose and make a difference in the world around you? What sustains me? It's what Jesus has called me to do. Close with this, our our, our purpose and our mission here at this church, it's our mission statement. This is our purpose, that we exist as a church to love people where they are and help move them to where God wants them to be. I tell you on early mornings of 21 days of prayer and fasting, when I'm tired and I'm hungry and I get into his presence, Something begins to stir in me and all of a sudden I forget about the food that I'm not eating. I forget about the sleep that I'm not getting and I remember that I have a purpose. I remember that I've got a calling. I remember that God has something for me to do and he's got something for you to do. Can I remind you tonight? Jesus is more than enough. He's more than enough to cover your shame. He's more than enough for salvation. He's more than enough to help you with your purpose. And the Bible says this, he's already overcome the world. 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to say a prayer of dismissal for you. Jesus, in your name, we stand in this moment thanking you for who you are. We stand in this moment realizing that we are not the light. We're just a reflection of the light. And just like the moon, we want to reflect the light of who you are in a dark world. And in a dark night, we reflect the goodness of who you are. As a church, we stand as a beacon in the darkest night to remind people that hope is coming, that joy is coming, that peace is coming, that the sun is coming back again, and we can stand on the promise and stand on the hope of who you are. Jesus, I thank you that just like with the woman at the well, you're here to remind us that you are more then enough. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Have a great week. Go in Jesus' name. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bring somebody with you.